We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 355 of the Win in Six podcast. Proudly a part of the Eurostep podcast network and the Blue Wire podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. It's a little over a week, I think, since, since our last episode um not a lot's changed for the book some stuff's changed some views we have some timelines injury timelines recovery return timelines which is you know a nice and unexpected development do you think they listened to that last pod and no. you know here we are <laughs> the, brook, I the brook news came out right after jordan I, I begged, Wait, I, pleaded, I pleaded with anyone. Yeah, they just signed Boogie, but it was before it was before Brooke. I'm, um, yeah. And then Dante, then we don't want Dante's going to be back. Yeah. Maybe I just didn't grovel hard enough in all the previous episodes where we looked for parody <laughs> on the book's injury situation. But here we are. Brooke Lopez is out indefinitely. He has had back surgery. And Dante DiVincenzo is scheduled to return on Wednesday against the Indiana Pacers, right? Yep. By Wednesday. Um, and aside from that, the books are just rolling along. They are, I think, the 12 and 2 that we just work out. They've two losses in their last 14 games, which is since Chris returned from, from COVID. And 
that look pretty good. I mean, they're not bulletproof. They have their moments here or there, but they're doing the thing that we've got used to doing over the past couple of seasons, which is they're just winning games. And on the whole, they look better than their opposition, even though their opponents recently aren't exactly um, the, the most stellar group of NBA teams. The books are just starting to look more like themselves, in spite of a kind of an ongoing thing too, where... Like, Brooke and Dante have obviously been the headline absences over a kind of longer spell throughout this season. But even if it was Drew missing time early, Giannis missed a few games, Chris missing with COVID. We've had George Hill miss time recently. Bobby obviously missed time to start the season. Wes Matthews comes in, which also, we haven't talked about that. Oh, yeah. he, he is in health and safety protocol. So <laughs> it's just... It's a constant battle, and that is definitely the nature of this NBA season more generally. We're really starting to see that ramp up with COVID. And I'm going to guess it's going to get a lot worse over the next few weeks with Christmas and New Year's, and the NBA are testing more frequently through this period as a result. I think from right around just before Thanksgiving through to the New Year, they're, they're testing with increased frequency. I'm going to bet they're not going to just be able to be like, oh, let's go back to not testing as often again coming out the other side of that. Yeah. because some problems are starting to emerge for sure. So with all of that, I mean, we've got we've got some stuff that we didn't even think of when we were mapping out beforehand, which is Brooks' um, surgery, which we don't know about, and Wes Matthews coming back. But let's start, I guess, with what we're seeing on the court. Are you encouraged? Are you happy? This feels better to you, like I think it does to most people. As much as, you know third quarter in the game against the Rockets it seems like people were melting down like full on meltdown we can't change old habits uh, die hard right mine that's... are dead my habits are dead exactly that's where I'm at but I don't think I think we're speaking for ourselves maybe not for the collective it's possible it's all I want to put out there it's possible if you're listening possible for you too why are you getting annoyed about a game against the rockets in december the rockets like of all teams they lost to him last year in houston look what happened that worked out okay it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter um yeah once you've seen garrison matthews go up once it's you know who is garrison matthews like for is the question gary matthews there's lots of guys this week that are just I can't even, I've already forgotten the guy who was like Quentin the human. Grimes. Exactly him, human flamethrower. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this is a new new person that I wasn't quite aware of. And you know what? He plays for the Knicks. So I've already forgotten about it. He's not important. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, as you said, normal service has resumed. 12 and 2 since Chris has come back. They're 11, or no, what is it? 13 and 1 when the big three play. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody looks good. Giannis looks good. I know he had a kind of a downer game against the Heat, but comes back with a 40-piece. And then he's just generally been – I mean, this has always been Giannis, but, like, he – you see how he visibly handles and controls games in different ways rather than just being this, like – when he won the MVP uh, now three years ago, he was just this battering ram unleashed as the Bucks were winning 60 games that year. And it just felt like, okay, I'm going to just hit the same gear every night, which, you know, we got used to and was pretty fun. 
now as he's like matured and obviously you know ascended um even further he has really kind of diversified the way he dominates which is very impressive to me like it's it's what makes lebron so interesting in that you know he's such a good player but like it's not picky it's not necessarily picky choosing which spots but it's you know you can instantly read when the game is telling you to like hey i'm just gonna go right at the rim relentlessly or depending on what coverages that Giannis has seen and you know yesterday was a good example of the Knicks just like putting everybody <laughs> in, in his way and it's like okay I'll just pass it to Chris or I'll throw a skip pass to Bobby if he's behind the three-point line like it was just I think the the way that he he's accumulating these dominating performances isn't necessarily what we came to expect from Giannis three years ago, two years ago, even because I was kind of in the same vein. Now it's more, you know, I mean, this is always the case, but it's even ramped up even more that he just can do so many different things. Um, That's my Giannis uh, comments. Yeah. He looks in greater command of the game than ever before. You can sense when and how best to control the game rather than just kind of imposing himself. There are moments where, he looks more like Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki in that he moves slower and he's smoother. I know mm-hmm. there was an interview uh, with Eric Name where they talked about just the concept of kind of him allowing the game to slow down for him, not necessarily playing at a slower pace. but Take a allowed... picture. Exactly. But yep. I, I have felt, particularly when he gets into, if not the paint, when he's just kind of within, say, 10, 12 foot from the basket, there isn't just, oh, I'm here now. I have to get to the rim with my next step. Like it needs to be, it needs to happen. It needs to happen now. He's much more calm about that. Maybe part of that is that he's, you know, got his little fadeaway jumper and he's got his turnaround. So he has more tools. He doesn't have to panic when he gets to that position. But I think overall, as a result, it just, it allows him to be a lot more kind of, I don't know, like loose and languid in those situations, which is really different. And, he's starting to look like a different player um, in terms of comparisons, like in those kind of spots, you're seeing a player that isn't just the physical force that that's overwhelmed the NBA for four or five years now. And that is a big development because he can still do that, but definitely the idea of not having to do that for most of the regular season is a good thing. Even more so the fact that he's having to play bigger, he's having to play more at the five and that kind of role with Brooke out. So that's even an adjustment that like from early in the season when they were really missing Brooke and Giannis didn't have a feel for that. It shows how quick he just figures everything out. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty uncanny, but he's worked that out and him and Bobby have a dynamic that's working now. Well, I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Brooke's absence and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it for the, the weeks and months ahead in terms of what, what it could ultimately mean when it comes down to it. I don't know how they hold up without him like good playoff time but i do think they've worked out something where they are in a much better spot with those two guys kind of holding on the front court than they were last season which is part of what what was the game again where bobby was absolutely like turned to dust late in game that we talked before and early in the season i was like the point well 
you know, maybe you don't try to hide Bobby in that situation because you're like, let's get some reps in and let's see if we can just get you a better feel for the game. Let's see if we can get you to a point where you don't have to be benched for an entire series. And there's evidence of progress there. I don't know. The, maybe the most difficult thing of all is I don't know if the books will know if that works against certain teams in the playoffs until they get to the playoffs against certain teams. Yeah. And you could get exposed in a hurry and then you're scrambling and maybe you don't have a plan B depending how roster moves shake out or Brooks recovery, whatever it is, that would be part of my concern because I don't know if Bobby would necessarily be tested or how Bobby and Giannis kind of anchor the front court in the way that they would in a playoff series before that. Like would a team like the Nets even have a desire to play around with that in a regular season game? Or let the books just get to the playoffs and then be like, okay, we know we can pick that apart. So that's an interesting dynamic that's going to be a play there. But uh, so far, there's good signs of improvement there. And I, I think it comes around for just Giannis is continuing to get better and better and better and better. I I feel like there's going to just be a gradual... There's His MVP case is being overlooked to this point obviously Steph has done incredible things Durant is doing incredible things I do think we're going to reach a point in the season and it may coincide with where the books are in the standings particularly as they are on the rise they're only a game and a half back in the nets now as we record this where all of a sudden people will be like you know what it might just be Giannis <laughs> like it, it feels like that's that's kind of an inevitability that if it's not that he's eventually kind of settled on as, oh, well, he is the guy for this award again, that he gets himself right to the forefront of that conversation with Steph and with KD, which I don't really think has been the case until now, in part because the books have been up and down and they're not as exciting. They're not as dramatic as the stuff that's going around either of those other two guys. So it feels like everyone will just catch up down the line. And when they do, they're going to look at how he's playing. They're going to look at his statistical profile the case he's making for himself this season they'll be like oh yeah this guy is the best player in the league so that's that's cool right that's a good place to start for the books it's a very good place to start (laughs) outside of Giannis um what what are your thoughts on what you've been seeing maybe let's talk a little bit about Chris because obviously he is continuing to work his way back I feel like and I, I don't do a lot of um being on Twitter during games. I'm actually I'm watching more games live than I probably should be. Um, but I, I'm not really doing too much scrolling through Twitter, but I have noticed just kind of like what seems like concern over Chris's performance quite a lot. And I'm already seeing that. I think, oh yeah, it's fine. He's he's clearly he is improving and he's ramping back up to something like what we all expect of him obviously he's got this 20 point run i think it's maybe just he is looking like a very kind of contained and measured version of himself there's no real sense of him going beyond that it's kind of a bit more like maybe chris and bud's first season when he was figuring out his role just in terms of how he's asserting himself but i don't see the issue i think he's he's finding his game he's looking more like himself And the other consideration here that applies to Chris and it applies to Drew as well is Bobby and Grayson provide very different dynamics offensively to Brooke and Dante. And in terms of touches that are going to have to go around and like good reason to give up some of that and 
have a more egalitarian offense like the books have never quite had it like this where it's not Giannis whose points are going to drop not because like he's not going to decide to give that up it's just the ball's going to be in his hands the right amount where he's still going to do what he's been doing but I do think it is natural that we're going to see a drop off where Chris probably isn't going to be having quite as frequent 30 point games as he had Drew will probably drop off a little bit too but that doesn't really matter if all of a sudden you've got Grayson who can be let me see I don't actually know what Grayson is averaging at the moment 13 points per game Pat's averaging 12 off the bench I was gonna say I got some stats from during this 14 game run Chris is averaging 18 6 and 5 40 percent or 40.6% 40.6% shooting from the field, 38.9 from three. They have five players in double figures, Giannis, Chris, Bobby, Drew, Pat, 13.1 points per game, and he's shooting the lights out still. Like, to your point of the offense has never been this egalitarian or even um, the ball moving to the degree that it has just because it's, you know, Bobby's not like Rook. Grayson's certainly not like Dante. Um, and there's just more free-flowing. I think that's the thing that when you watch the Bucks this year, that they have people that can move the ball in a way that like makes them very it's not it's not that they were one-dimensional, but when games got really, you know, ground down to crunch time last year, you know, in years past, we kind of knew a sense of how they would, you know handle possessions especially when chris took more of an on-ball uh uh responsibilities after his first year with bud and we saw like you know how that unleashed the pick and roll with him and Giannis and stuff like that now you have a better shooter on the wing with grayson or pat even when compared to pat two years ago and as great as brooke has been bobby's been highly efficient as a shooter since coming to Milwaukee. There's just, there's, it's hitting a different gear in terms of their offense that I really wanted to see for a long time. And I just think, you know, it's, it's purely personnel driven that they can um, kind of see the floor and like that Sixers game where Grayson hits that huge three coming off of the double team for that Giannis got, um, and he just dishes it to Grayson in the corner. Like, stuff like that happened in years prior with different players and different, you know, plays or, you know, whatever you want to – stable alignments or whatever you want to say. But, like, there's just been a different level of, in terms of how the offense naturally just runs with the starting lineup now that we've seen since Brooks been out and even with Pat coming in. And it's just – I don't know. I think it's – I think this is where their their offense is kind of crystallized into something more. Um, I'm forgetting the word, but like just something more positive to, to, to me, rather than just kind of like, okay, we kind of know what we're going to expect from the Bucks in terms. The players of are just better, right? Because I mean, you yeah. still got seen as they're now going about this exercise to try to you know right the wrongs of the bubble <laughs> and bring that whole squad back together. You've got George Hill, who is averaging, I think, seven and a half points per game. And you know what? 
he could probably up that in spells at times. He could be another guy who averages double digits. You're never going to need him to do that, but he could do it at times. That will help. Don't forget the last time George Hill was in the team, his two uh, postseason runs, like the Bucks desperately needed him to be averaging double digits plus, you know? And he was one of the few guys who was reliably doing that in playoff games. And Wes Matthews is back and he's going to be like the ninth guy in terms of finding any offense from them. That is very different from when like Wes knocking down shots was going to be essential. And then you've got Rodney Hood showing some signs of life. Um, I'm intrigued. There is definitely, he doesn't look like the player he was. His movement is not very good. He's quite slow. Um, it's, it's, Clearly, I whether that's just gone and not coming back or it's continued adjustment. What I would say is, and I think we've talked about it from before the season, that Rodney Hood in particular felt like a signing for let's see where he's at mid-season. Like he's gonna grow into the season, he's gonna grow into the team and get better. And you have a game like he had the other day. Was that the I could I don't even remember which game was which was that the was that yesterday? Was that the next game? Yeah. It was the Knicks game. Um, and all of a sudden, you're like, okay, he's he's getting it, you know? And I think maybe most importantly, he was doing everything he was doing pretty much within the flow of the offense. And that's going to be crucial given what his role is and given how many other players are stepping up and you're trusting more and more. It's He's going to be a kind of marginal figure, but if if he can be trusted to come up and contribute something when he's called upon like it's a big deal and your roster gets really deep and all this is before Dante comes back and we find out what Dante is um and then there is always the possibility that Brooke does come back into the mix again later in the season so what we had flagged up before the season as you know probably the deepest books roster ever is continue to get deeper with their recent additions. Like we haven't mentioned Boogie there. We'll talk about Boogie in a little while. Wes Matthews, I mean, there's not a lot really to talk about yet, considering he's not back very long and now he's out and will be out for a few games, I would guess. But it's it's a good spot they're in. Like, and when you start to look at the standings and you look at things kind of crystallizing there it, the east is starting to look like it makes sense we were for quite a while doing the is that team actually real are they going to stick around and a lot of those teams the knicks for example have fallen completely off the face of the earth jordan was adamant that was what was going to happen and that is indeed what has happened um wizards haven't quite fallen apart to that extent yet but they they have fallen off quite a bit they're down to, to seventh like your top six feels pretty real to me because the Cavs are the, the surprise package that look legit. And you you would say they have the players too, as in the, the questions with a team like that is just like, they're, they're really young. And if at some point that kind of falls apart or a couple of injuries for them could hurt them certainly more than a team like the Bucks. But I, I do think certainly outside of the play-in spots, but even the play-in spots, Top top ten in the East looks pretty much like what I would imagine it to be come the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's pretty locked in in terms of top six for sure. Philadelphia is starting to get back up there. Cavs, like you said, sixteen and twelve. As we're recording this right now, like saw the Cavs in person 
in the past. I did. So I'm last week and very impressive. I think too, like compared to a team like Charlotte, who they kind of follow, I'm not saying that they're like this. They're like the Charlotte Hornets because they're pretty much the opposite in terms of they feel more uh, defensively minded than Charlotte is. Um, yeah, I think that's safe to say. Just, just, just yeah. Just, I don't think I'm going on any limb there, but um, I just think there's something impressive, like how, like during that game, their better players were not their developing players or their young stars, like Darius Garland. It was Kevin Love shooting the lights out, Lowry Market, and um, not only hitting shots but also kind of bothering Chris, which is a little bit of a development. Um, but no, I think they. I, I mean. I don't know if this is going to be sustainable for them in the future, but in terms of this season, they're all, they're also do, they're doing weird, almost gimmicky stuff. Yep. Uh, like the books, we have been down the road before where something works until the moment it doesn't work, and then my and then God, like, does what it is fall plan apart? B? Yeah, yeah, you're not going to find all the pieces to put it back together again. That is entirely <laughs> possible for the Cavs. That could be something that happens come the playoffs. But, I mean, given the base they're coming from and the age profile of their team, I think both Cavs fans would be pretty happy with that, you know? Oh. Good season, get into the playoffs, get these guys thinking a different way. And if you've got to rework it and come up with different plans for next year, you just hope that, you know, everyone in Cleveland is prepared for that and understands that rather than going the same thing. But definitely the – listen, as a fan of big guys, I'm – I'm intrigued by some of the ideas, Jordan, that are in play with the Cavaliers at the moment. Do would it, would I do that even if I was a coach? I don't think so. I don't think I no. necessarily push it this far. But but something's working. something's working. So do I want to see it? You know, push to its conclusion. Could it be possible that a few years from now everyone's big, big ball? Is this the start of big ball? <laughs> big ball. We've had small ball. Small ball eras dead. Um, you know, medium been, ball. Been some writing recently about you know the. Well, I guess for the last four or five years has come to be, you know, this is this is analytically, this is how you should take your shots. That's kind of dying a death. That's not necessarily how you win anymore. I, who am I to argue with the fact that the next evolution of NBA basketball could be big ball? Yep. ACDC <laughs> couldn't write it better themselves. Um, Miami has... Boogie a small forward? Is that the answer? Uh, that may be pushing the limits of big ball. Big boogie ball. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... I think this is pretty much what we'll see. I don't I don't see... Expect any surprises. Maybe Atlanta kind of figures things out, but they're kind of... I don't know. I don't... I don't I'd be surprised probably the, It's the seven. There'd be the high end, but probably going to be a playing team, I would guess. Yeah, they. I mean, if the Cavs slide, they'd be my pick to be like, oh, they're not mm-hmm. going to be in the, they're, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is kind of where we're at in terms of top six. I mean, Bucks are one and a half games back of Brooklyn right now. And what, we're, what, a month out from their first game against each other since the second round of the playoffs? So, yeah. It's, it's getting exciting. Yeah, things are shaping up nicely. Um, it's just nice to see the books get a bit healthier and they're going to continue to get a bit healthier. So, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, let's go through all things injury related. Look, will we start at Brooke? I know it's it's old news for people. We haven't talked about it, so it's pretty brutal. I mean, I I think it dramatically reframes a lot of the larger conversation around the books. This is not the most encouraging news, I think, both for this season, getting to the business end, even the team having optimism that he'd be back. It's all well and good saying that, but what does he look like? You know, having not played all season and having had back surgery, that's that's tough and that's just a great unknown. Like, you just can't assume that it works in terms of any way of what we've, we've come to know until you see it. So that's certainly disappointing. It's tricky. I... I do think, unsurprisingly, among the fandom, there's been a very obvious kind of overreaction where it's like, oh, the Pacers are going to trade one of Turner Sabonis. It's like, you know, should the books be getting in on this? It's like, well, first of all, as always, the rule with this is the books have nothing of value. Nobody wants most of this stuff. I know we're getting increasingly used to John Horst still pulling off trades in spite of that, but I do think... He's not doing it for a, he's not doing it for a Miles Turner's. I mean, as great as PJ Tucker was, no one's discounting the value that he brought to the team. He's also on a wayward Rockets team and was essentially sent home. He's like thirty six. It's like tail yeah. end of his career. So if you're a bad no, team, you're like just give us some stuff, and yeah, eventually we're gonna do it. Where and the other getting... team vying for Tucker's services last year with the Heat, who are similarly strapped with few draft assets mm-hmm. one fewer after the tampering saga has concluded so like we're just since we're approaching trade season it's happening you know with all these reports of like oh are they gonna move this it's like teams have to give up stuff to get stuff so we gotta I mean, what is, what can the Bucks reasonably get up or give up that can net them a Miles Turner or some, you know, starting caliber center? Clearly, but like it's not possible. 
Did you listen to the low post where he went in on the book no. response thing? Did you see the transcription no. on Twitter? No, you didn't. So you're just, you know, you're in a vacuum. I know the playlist. No, I'm, I'm kind no, of. No, um, me neither. Me neither, Jordan. You didn't even finish that, but me neither. I don't, I don't listen that often to the low post um, recently for whatever reason. I, I, I like that when it wasn't all about trade talks and now it's oh, increasingly the ESPNification of, yep. of basketball coverage or the, the jumpification, maybe. Uh, yeah. Both. Um, but anyway, it, you know, it seemed like he was replying to a Nihilus Books tweet, which, you know, obviously made its way to Zach Lowe's feed. And it was just the idea of, you know, Books. Books fans not wanting to trade Brook Lopez for something like Miles Turner, or I'm just like this is this is so dumb as an argument because it's like it's not it's not worth having because it's not even in play. It's like yes, build the books package for me around Miles Turner and tell me how that works. Uh, like build the books package, build the package that they're gonna they're gonna offer the Pacers that the Pacers sitting heard from bottom in the east unbelievably disappointing with some really good players with one of the better coaches it's now just a mess it's like whatever they've put together doesn't work structurally it's not gonna it's not gonna be anything meaningful for the next iteration of kind of a playoff pacers team and that's why they're at this point where you know oh yeah we're we're willing to take calls on these guys what have the books got for that they don't want injured brooke lopez on a significant contract because, I mean, any deal around that, one, for salary purposes, you're going to be doing that if you're the books. But it's it's also, it's, let's say, for example, Jordan, this is why I don't like what, this is just the beginning of it, but I feel like it's going to be a thing that's going to continue because Brooke is out and other players will become available. And let's say the books trade for Miles Turner. You, you come up with a package Pacers are like, yes, we're going to do it. And you're trading for Miles Turner. That isn't just kind of challenging to put together, but the long-term planning of what you're going to do salary-wise is so much more difficult given his age range, given his expectations, given the profile of what his deals will be, given the role you'd probably like him to play. And then you've got Bobby and then you've got Pat. You've got those other kind of decisions. With the books in the position they are, making trades for players of that kind of level of salary are just kind of non-runners or you're going to have the very opposite of what the team is this year, which is you're going to have like nobodies, absolute nobodies. You can hardly play. You're going to look like the Lakers in terms of filling out the rest of your roster. You know, you're really going to be playing with, with scraps. So I, I think it's, it's just the, the idea of, Oh, you know, why why would anyone be opposed to this it's not even i i can't even comprehend it in terms of and this is taking aside the fact that would i trade brooke lopez no i'd rather go down with this ship jordan that's that would be my personal preference at this point but aside from like take all of that out of it just in terms of player for player thing the books situation in terms of assets in terms of their their cap situation is not so straightforward that you're just like oh Here's a younger, better player, older player with injuries. Let's do that. And then we're sorted for the next stage because they're not. They're facing an almighty crunch. They're facing the kind of crunch 
that they face, say, with Malcolm Brogdon, but worse, where you'll end up making a decision on someone else and we go through all that stuff again. And maybe yep. it's, it's an even more consequential player this time. It's something that more fundamentally changes the shape of the team and the shape of the team that is working unbelievably well, has for a number of years and delivered a championship. So that kind of knock-on effect from Brooke being out indefinitely is not fun. But I also just think it's not productive. Like, I can't say that when we start getting sent lots of, you know, Brooke Lopez for mailbag questions in the weeks and months ahead that I'm not just going to be rudely dismissive of all our good listeners who do that. We should just have a disclaimer that's not... It's like, <laughs> We're if, you not want, taking if you want me talk. to... If you want me to end up being insulting, that's the question to saying, because it's just like, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense where the books are. Now... It's not Brooke, rooted in reality. Brooks injury does open up a lot of interesting questions in terms of the books roster construction, in terms of the deals, decisions they'll have to make, deals they could make down the line but they're just going to be at a very different level to that because anything else is going to fundamentally upset the apple cart, you know, and that's not what they're looking to do because everything else is going well. Look at them right now. Things are going great without Brooke and any moves they're going to make are going to be more attuned to, okay, well, if we can't have the version of Brooke, we know that we need in the postseason. What can we get that gives us some chance of either replicating or finding something different? With that, the Boogie Cousin signing from when we last talked about it is framed in an entirely different light because he is not just a short-term kind of let's have a look and the third big that they they kind of needed or the third center to be more accurate that they kind of needed anyway and he's just going to fill in. Then he could be, you know, back at a rotation, not even playing in the playoffs if if it came to that. Well, he's, he's a proper rotation player by necessity. He kind of has to be. I think the boogie discourse is moving too fast is my own personal opinion on that. I think there was a lot of early excitement that has turned to people like severely souring in a lot of cases from what I've seen. I'm kind of just like, I actually think he's been pretty fine. Like he's been kind of what I expect from him, particularly he's been on the shelf (laughs) until now, you know, he's, He's only working his way back into playing NBA games. He's at a new team, all of that stuff. Like if we're talking about someone like Rodney Hood, it could be half a season before you see him looking like the guy you would hope he'd be. I, I don't even know what you say for Boogie with the injuries he's had and not being in the league, not having gone through camp, all of that kind of stuff. For me, I think it's been pretty, pretty solid. There's some things that I have issues with. I don't know if there are issues that are gonna be resolvable or resolve themselves i think some of them are just the player he is um i did look at a curiosity just at the his advanced numbers i mean 19.6 that rating team best so there's been some hmm. ugly minutes in there for sure but the books have been blowing teams off the floor in the minutes that he's been playing so far which i do think is interesting just even in terms of his type, you know, if if it's not digging into exactly what he's doing, it's like, okay, it's a real big. He is rebounding pretty well. His shooting has been atrocious, but he's rebounding pretty well. And he's passing well. And there is something there in the numbers, which is kind of suggesting still pretty small sample. We're not minuscule, but small sample that something there is working. And particularly offensively, it's, it's powering the books in a different way. 
Yeah, I, I think, I mean, to where we were was two weeks ago that they signed him, right? A little bit more, probably. Uh, within that two, don't know. Don't think weeks? so. Um, we'll just call it two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Um, we have long talked about like what are their options with Brooke out. This is before the back surgery that made him out more indefinitely. <laughs> um, what are their options that they can get from a center that is a free agent? Um, and surprise, it wasn't a very illustrious list. The season just started. It's not like there's going to be like, oh, look at that guy. That guy's just waiting to get a job. And DeMarcus Cousins was just waiting to get a job. But there was also justifiable reasons as to why he had not gotten one. Um, as we talked about, I think for me, I was always kind of not as optimistic about it just because I think he has serious, you know, uh, not red flags, but just question marks about how can he play within a buck system or like being asked to do different things that he not necessarily was asked to do, um, during his peak playing days but even especially post injury you know on the shelf for what a year and change all that kind of stuff and coming back from those serious obstacles and it's kind of I mean as you said like the Bucks have been have been beating teams with him on the on the floor um it's just more of a he's not shooting as well as we're you know, some would expect him to shoot. Uh, defensively, he's it's what we kind of expect him. He's kind of he's not fleet as fleet of foot as he used to be. Um, and it wasn't even like he was, you know, great at that with us with the Kings or even the Pelicans before he got hurt. But like it's it was always gonna be a work in progress. It was never gonna be like, oh, they're gonna send Boogie and he's gonna find his way immediately, hit a bunch of threes. Yeah, they got another 20 point per game score. No, it's not. We're not at that stage with Boogie at all. Um, nor does he have that role to do stuff like that. Um, so I do think it's Rodney Hood is kind of like an interesting or good comparison for him just to, just to see if he could kind of ramp in to that role because if it doesn't work out with the DeMarcus Cousins, I'm not, there's no like stand up guy that they can be like, oh, we can just cut bait with. Marcus Cousins because he's on a non-guaranteed deal um, and maybe that works out like unless if you're waiting for a buyout guy which I mean that's always possible but I'm not don't hold your breath on something like that because again you never know how stuff like that can shake out even with trade season approaching um, so yeah I think it's just just give it time if it works out if it does if it works out that's great if it doesn't work out they obviously have their get their options open with both Boogie and Wesley Matthews that they can, you know, maneuver more roster churn as they have done over the last couple of weeks. So we'll see, but yeah, I, I think Boogie in particular, it's not going to look pretty a lot of times, but if he buys into his role, which he has clearly done, um, I think that's, that's half of what you want to see from DeMarcus Cousins. And then just, 
if he starts hitting shots or if he starts if they're starts to really come together defensively. I mean, who knows? He's pulling a gap. Like I, I yeah. think this this is working. I, I there's a part of this which to me feels like the books are so good in terms of their their depth this season that you look at players that are backing up across other positions and it's like, oh, all these guys are good. So why is a buggy good? You know, why don't they got someone who's good in that spot? And it's just, well, there isn't someone there. This is this is a, a gap they've had to fill mid-season, unexpected for a player that they really haven't been prepared for this all along. It's a spot where they've struggled with depth and Brooke has played basically every game throughout his entire time in Milwaukee. As a result, when all of a sudden he can't do that, that was a big shock to the system. And I, I don't know. I, I find the way just that I think this is viewed in the NBA as interesting. Like, for example, the Packers hardly have any offensive players left, right? Wide receivers. Here we go. Here we go. They're dropping like flies, Jordan. They're dropping like flies. There's guys I don't know who they are, and they're getting injured. So... If the Packers then have to go and get guys like off the practice squad, like are, are people expecting them to be like Randall Cobb? I don't know. Russell Douglas is Russell Douglas is let's not bring that into it. That doesn't help my <laughs> argument. He's he is not a wide receiver, he is a quarterback. So look, just you back <laughs> off there. Don't try to sink this argument. My point is. Or maybe, you know, maybe that does prove the point is when something like that happens, when you find found money to that extent, it's remarkable because it's so unusual. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's There's not this what's aberration. Exactly. And also, like in Russell Doyle's case, that only happens because of the other injuries they've had along the way. Like he could still be he could still be as good as he has been. But if he's not playing, you don't even get to see that. It doesn't get to pan out this way. Like, there's a lot that goes into that. But I, I just think the view of this, maybe it is that he's DeMarcus Cousins. And it's skewing it in some way for people. But he is just the backup big. Like, he's a journeyman backup big. It's all they need him to be. And I, I do personally believe there will be games and he has the potential to actually be more than that as the season goes on. Not necessarily every night, game to game, but he'll have his games like that. And when it isn't at that level, if he's just literally a big, <laughs> he's a big guy who's out there. He's going to save some minutes for Giannis. He's going to, yeah, well, you know, because he helped a big ball. Do you think LeVar Ball will be upset about Big Baller Brown essentially going away if Big Ball becomes a thing? Or will he be happy? You know, it's, it's ripe for resurgence then. Um, but Boogie, to me, what he's doing is fine. Like, if if he is helping the Bucks to win while he's on the court, that is all that matters. Like, his individual stats don't matter. How it looks doesn't matter because you're not building is, your team around the principle that DeMarcus Cousins is important. It's, it's just the, it's just Brooke is, Brooke is out, and you're having to find a way to get through this. Like, this is all it's about. It's agreed. It's the it's the point of view of looking at boogie as boogie which some do this is this is odell Beckham, right if we're gonna go back yeah to honestly yes NFL, yes it is but it's, it's the same thing it's the point of view of looking at boogie as boogie as people do it's a name it's all that stuff mm-hmm. and you and i are and i would assume a lot of other people are just viewing him as a body which is what 
I don't know how many people are. I think more should. More, yeah, more should. We'll, um, like, we'll get to the mailbag in a while. And I know there are multiple questions which are like, oh, Boogie's clearly not long for this team. Um, like, why? Why are you assuming that? What, what's, what's the alternative? What are they doing here? Is he not, is he not doing exactly what he needs to be doing? Like, is shooting 10% from three, does that seem ideal? No. Is it really mattering all that much? No. And, like, this should be the low ebb of his play, too. There is every reason why this guy, like, shouldn't be expected to come in and hit the ground running. <laughs> you know, just there's there's no reason to assume that will happen. Maybe the perception of him has been skewed a little bit by the fact that he did have a really nice game very early on. If not his first game, his second game? I think the Warriors game or the... Um... It wouldn't have been the Raptors game. Who do they play? I think, I think the Hornets sounds right. That that sounds right to me. Um, no. No. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was the Hornets game where he had seven points, uh, four rebounds. It was. It was like just really tidy. Like he did more against the. Oh, heat. the Heat. Yeah, more against the Heat, but a lot of it was free throw shooting. Yeah, and it just, you know, the, I, which in itself, you know, good thing. A guy who's going to get eight free throws off the bench as your backup big, like that is something that is not, you can't really expect that of the kind of players you're generally going to get in the mix. Like I, I just, I don't know what the alternative is, and I personally don't see how Boogie's not kind of serving the purpose he was brought in for pretty perfectly. Because you yeah. can't you can't view this as like he could be a part of the playoff rotation by necessity, but that was not the design. And if it looks bad, and if the books, more importantly, if the books are bad when he's on the floor, like that's what it's gonna come down to. If him being out there, his individual numbers aren't great, but the books are like a juggernaut because the pieces are just fitting, that's really what's gonna matter. Like we've seen Brooke have bad spells, particularly with shooting and offensively. And it doesn't matter because the team keeps humming. And really, when you're down Brook and all of a sudden you're like, Bobby's the only the only guy in this team that you could make a case for being a center. And even I wouldn't make that case. Then it's like, okay, we need someone else to come in and just take some of, take some of the pressure off there. That's what the Marcus Cousins is doing. And to me so far, I think it's it's working. It's serving the purpose. They're winning. He's soaking up some minutes. That's really all that it's about. So yeah, I'm I'm quite content with that. We'll probably the mailbag will probably prompt a little bit more boogie cousins talk. Um where's matches? So I can only assume what was this like last week? John Horst was up in his office. I assume he's got big glass fronts, you know, big windows. He's like, What's what's that out there? What's that? Went and got his binoculars. It's like is someone crawling, crawling back up the road to the practice facility, and yeah, it was. Look, who came crawling back? It was it was West Matthews. You know, he fled at the first sign of adversity. Hometown hero, he fled. Jordan went to become a Laker, a Laker. Then I'm sure he cheered on Bucks gear and all. You know, hometown. Um, as the Bucks won a championship last year, finds himself on the couch. Maybe he didn't get to leave the couch from cheering them on until now, and now he's back at the Bucks. 
Um, I look, I'm I'm having fun with this. I will continue. I I think what he did was not great. Like considering the whole narrative of what went the year before, where it was all the talk of being back home and how special it was, and we've resumed that now. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm the, the one who's wrong, Jordan. Maybe I have the problem, but I don't have the cognitive dissonance to pretend that he didn't just decide to leave the books for the Lakers for no wasn't getting paid more money. Don't really think his role was any bigger. Uh, yeah, it, was it, was, it was less. It was less. If he was upset with some of Bud's decisions in the playoffs and the bubble, well, that basically just became his life with the Lakers. I I just I can't quite just look past that, but that's really besides the point because he's another wing. Poor, poor, sweet prince, Yorgos Kotsaikos. Not long for this world. One of the weirder books series of moves, honestly, that they've made in years. I'll do a retrospective in like 20 years from now. Be like, what happened to Yorgos Kotsaikos? But that's, that is really up there with the weirdest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they draft a player that nobody 60th knew. 60th pick. 60th pick. They drafted him. And they then they gave him a contract with guaranteed money in it. Like, they gave him a contract that they didn't have to give him. Um, they couldn't give him a two-way because of how the deal came about. The buyout. They, want, they wanted this guy so much. So much more than the player they drafted higher, who they had to give a two-way. Then. So... <laughs> They they bring him in. No one else knew why. I was I was chief and hey, maybe they see something. You know, maybe they see something. Let's see how this goes. Let's see how it plays out. If you're gonna do it, let's give him a chance. And that was exactly what the books decided not to do was to give him a chance. So I have no idea, like just a waste of roster spot, money down the drain, all of that stuff. There wasn't really urgency to be like, oh my god, like there, there isn't a brook level incident where they had to shake this up and they needed another wing. I don't think it hurts them, but I don't think it was necessary either in this exact moment. The urgency certainly, I don't feel like it was there in the same way, but they've done it. He's gone. Wes Matthews is here. I don't know if you have any thoughts really on, on Wes, um, whether whether it's you know his sojourn with the Lakers. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, if you want to add anything to what I've said, or if it is... Wes Matthews is a player in 2021-22. We haven't seen a whole lot yet. He made some trees. He missed some trees. He's a pretty strong, sturdy guy. Like, he'll be able to take some defensive reps. You're not going to have him be a PJ Tucker either. Um, I think, just to be realistic, he is going to be a worse defender than he was the last time the book saw him because that's the stage of his career he is at where every every passing season and with as games continue to to pile up and miles go up on the clock you know it's it's probably gonna turn downhill but i mean the advantage here is they're not looking for him to be the fifth starter he's like a ninth or tenth man and it certainly doesn't hurt depth or your rotation to have that there as an option i guess and with dante's impending return i mean that cuts into whatever role he has already had over the last week. We, I mean, well, TBD on that front. Yeah, well, we need to see, does it? Yeah. I hope so. 
I've been assured that Dante is returning Wednesday, but who knows? Did I? No, I'm joking. The, uh, you've you've seen uh, yesterday's game. You've seen it all. Uh, I did not see all of it, but I saw most. Does this ring a bell with you? I was. I had some other stuff going at the time, so there was a couple times where I was probably listening more than I was watching. And one thing that caught my ear: Did Marcus Johnson say something about Dante shooting the lights out? Maybe he was referring to Pat. No, I really thought. Or it was in Dante. practice? Yeah. I that mean, was, that was what I thought was implied. I believe he's he said the same thing about Rashad Vaughn so many years ago. I'm I'm just I'm I'm not putting <clears throat> stock in that. I'm not saying that as you know, watch out, Dante's coming back. He's gonna gonna drop 21 points he's gonna be like that nick his name i can't remember uh it is it's Ivo and <laughs> that's that's not what i'm saying um ben stiller he was getting into it see him uh, i did he was he was getting into it he was who really... was he saying next to it? he was saying i think he was saying this kid no he was saying next to a celebrity too i forget um, celebrity row with the Knicks game is actually yeah, the best one. Everybody comes the out Lakers, to the Knicks but... games. You know, the, you know what they say? The NBA is at its best when the Knicks are good. I'm here to tell you. It's the opposite. Oh, I'm trying to think now. Um, like, my, my favorite thing about, like, Knicks game ops that they do that is, say, an actor's on. They always pick one movie to put under their name for for who they are <laughs> so patrick wilson was there courtside yeah yeah i need to i need to try and remember um what the, what the film actually was was it watchman is it midway is he in that it was something like that i was like nobody nobody is looking at patrick wilson and being like oh yeah it's, it's the guy the guy from midway yeah he was at midway that's what they put up. It's like, no, not like Aquaman or uh, The Conjuring or something like that, which, you know, there's actual evidence out there in the world that people have gone to see it. Watchmen, of course, as you said. No, they put up Patrick Wilson midway. I was like, that's truly, truly incredible stuff. So we've got distracted, of course, but it just blows my mind. It's one of my favorite things. It's like, oh, okay, these are famous people. I can't, I know who these people are. But what did the Knicks think they're known for? It's it's mm-hmm. one of the, the real joys. Uh, what were we talking about before that? Wes Matthews. Oh yeah. Any former Nick on the Lakers? Um, former Nick, uh, Wesley Matthews. Uh yeah, I think he's just. I'm not again kind of body at this point. Um, at the, <laughs> that's what he is it's, to me. I, I'm guilty of this a lot because it is true for a lot of the players and at a certain points and it's like, you know, you just need a body there. Starting to tell like the books have a lot of bodies though. Yeah, but I also think he's more, if they are trying to... Like the bodies hit the floor? Yeah. <laughs> is that a... Never mind. Um, if they're trying to have him be like this PJ or just Wing defender, put him on good score on opposing team. Well, give me a, give me an example. I'm curious as to like what actual kind of player. Well, we've seen Jimmy Butler. No, no, Jimmy, did he play that game? 
He didn't play one heat game. I don't know if he played two. I, I um, would assume he played in one of them, but I can't remember which. I'll tell you right now. Um, he played. He played in a boat. He played in the win and the loss. Oh, um, I don't know. I just think he. It's where where West Matthews was a couple years ago, where he's starting two guard after the Bucks move out from Malcolm Brogdon, all that stuff. The wing rotation was Matthews, Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton. Probably gonna forget someone else mixed in there too. Um, and you know he was clearly at that point. If you surveyed the options, it was like, oh yeah, he's the best player that you could put there. Nice fit alongside. We saw for the better part of that season until you know all hell broke loose. Now it's like, oh, you have Grace Allen. Pat, uh, Pat Connaughton's way better than he was two years Clearly ago. better than Wes. Clearly better. Dante's about to return. Um, Rodney Hood has had solid minutes. Could be um, better. Yeah. Uh, they, they'll play Drew Holiday and George Hill at the same time, you know, for Shem- spare minutes. Shemi is kind of, he's a big question mark for lots of reasons, but in that wing forward mix, like he's another player who, as we'll be competing with, and you know what? He could be better. He may not. The evidence so far, mm, that might be part of the reason why the books are like, oh my God, we got to get rid of this. Got to get rid of York's Cuts like us. We got like an NBA player in here because Chevy Ojale, woof. Um, yeah. it, it, that may be the thinking. It's like, we're not going to cut ties at him yet, but let's let's just be prepared. Yeah. Um, can, can we, can I, is it just me? Or do, you, do you have any feelings about Wes coming back or Wes leaving? Like, I'll leave the floor. No, you. no, I, I genuinely, I want to know, is this just me? Uh, this is, we have a podcast, this, this is a, you know, it's a platform for conversation. You know how I um, feel, the listeners know. I, I don't, my, my feelings are he picked the wrong time to leave. That's not him. I, I, that's, Undisputed. But, and we also have to remember the context of where, when he left, it was started for agency. The whole Bogdan Bucks thing was brewing, percolating at I that point. to do with him. But it was clearly he's going to overtake his starting spot. And then Frank Vogel had other things in mind when Wesley Matthews eventually came to Los Angeles. But the overall I, I point just, of, I find it, I find it difficult, right? I, I do find it difficult because there is and like he's the home state guy and I'm not knocking there to take away from that because that will matter to lots of books fans but he poured all that on heavy and then he left and now he's come back because he couldn't get anywhere else like that's you know he does his first interview back it's like oh it's so great to be back home and I love my time here so I was like yeah but like the bubble didn't go well and you were like out of there you know, it's it's not a situation like we've had with other books players in recent years, and I, the part of it is, it's like this is not a PJ Tucker situation. It's not like he was shunned and he went and he took the other. Like this is this is a guy who he, he left on his own accord. He left on his own accord, and there was so much made of the fact that he was there in the first place and how much it mattered to him and how excited he was for it. And then it's like, oh, the Lakers, see ya. But that's the thing he thought. They come off a championship in the bubble. Thought he had a 
purple and gold paved road towards another championship, and it backfired tremendously. So, I I think it's interesting. It's obviously not a like it's not a thing within the team because there's a level of personal relationship there that maybe moves you past that. But it can't be completely just not in anyone's mind either. I mean, George. I mean, George Hill is kind of a fascinating counterpoint. Yeah, because it's the other way around. He was traded. He was traded and clearly had hard feelings about it at the time. Obviously, those had to be amended enough to come back. It's reasonable to assume, as I think it seemed at the time, and now it's even more reasonable that they brought him back. The Bucks didn't want to trade him. It's just what they had to do to get Drew. Yeah. Wes, on the other hand, it was different. Exactly. But See, you're saying you're but, saying the same things as me without saying. I'm not. I, I'm just saying. I don't. I, I, he chose to leave, and he was wrong. <laughs> That's I, for sure. Has he said that yet? No, he's not going to. The players I, don't do this. I think they should. Yeah, Chris often finds gets the role doing this. You know where like there'll be one soon. I'm sure. Whatever. They're home on Christmas Day, right? Maybe it's a Christmas Day before. For the game, player goes up to address the crowd. Instead of Chris this year, I think it should be Wes. So you look, you know, he just apologizes. Is that what you like? Everyone, I'm deeply sorry <laughs> for going to the Lakers. You know, it was a mistake. I betrayed all of you. I thought that was the way to a title, but the, the title was right here at home. Yeah, you know, would that make me happy? Who's to say? Uh, I just when when the news came out, I was like, "Oh, I said a lot of things about this guy." Um, and the truth is, I I actually don't feel different. Like it's not a personal thing against Wes Matthews. I just think his his decision to leave was interesting, and all the more interesting given the context, given the personal context for him of why he came back in the first place, why he's now want here again, how happy he is for all of that. I'm sure there's a level of sincerity to all of that too, but then there's also, oh yeah, you left in the middle. Like, I just, I find it really weird. I I find it strange. And there's got to be, it's got to enter some of the guys on the roster's mind. Like they know them, they'll get past it. But there there has to be a little bit of, you're saying like Giannis and Chris and all, they're they're like, oh yeah, it's great to have you back. And nowhere in their mind, they're like, yeah, but you just, you left last season. You just left. Like, we didn't do it. We fell flat on our face in, in the playoffs. And the rest of us were like, okay, let's double down. We got to work this out. We got to come back different. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a Laker. It's I, I do think it's a weird thing. And it's an interesting dynamic. And it, it's only the kind of thing it is. Like, it's a business. Guys jump back and forth between teams relatively often. Not necessarily like this and in such a, such a short time frame. That's the other thing, too, with the way the seasons have been and the bubble not actually being that long ago, the way we've moved through seasons, to actually be back with the books in, like, just over a year? Like, doesn't happen very often. No. The rules generally would forbid it from happening close to this. Like, you're just outside of the realm, but in a normal timeline you would be able to do this. So for it to happen is unusual. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope it works out. I hope he plays well. But I once the deal happened, I was getting tweets. I was like, oh yeah, well, that's Matthew's back. What do you think about that? I'm like, 
I think the exact same thing I've thought and said all along. Seriously, nothing changes. It's weird. I, I don't know how anyone else to say that. doesn't mean I don't want him to be great. doesn't mean that I don't think he could be a useful player again. But the situation is weird. And if that's felt like out here, I think it's got to be some feeling of that on the inside too. So Christmas Day, apology, all be good. Right? <laughs> Dante, do we want to... Dante's return? Do we want to... Do we tempt fate? He's coming back. If we have the conversation, is he like back scooting in a couple of days? Apparently, he's shooting well in practice. Maybe, maybe Marcus meant to say scooting and he said shooting. An easy mistake to make. We haven't seen that scooter in a long time. So I I don't know. He might just like like it for fun. That might be how he gets around now. Does yeah, does tricks or something? That's his new like way of transportation. He's gonna do like the Miles Plumley thing of All Star Weekend. He's gonna be it's gonna be Dante on a scooter. Oh god. <laughs> what are you expecting? Anything? Um hopefully healthy. Hopefully uh doesn't get hurt again. Cause I mean <laughs> He's had a lot of injuries already, and he's 24, 25. Um, not just with the Bucks, he broke his foot in college too, which made him rip uh, red shirt. So, like, there's a history of foot injuries with Dante. Um, from the small, like, pregame clips that we see from beat reporters, he's certainly bouncy. Can is that you know? Can that be sustainable? I don't know. I, I think it's going to be. I think it's more interesting how his return affects minutes for other guys. Just because not everybody can be played, you know. I don't know what this means for Rodney Hood if his minutes get diminished. Jordan Wara's outside of yesterday's cameo is pretty much out of the rotation. Um, Javante Smart probably takes some minutes away from him. Um, since coming since Smart's come to Milwaukee, Javante Smart needs someone to take some minutes away from. Him, otherwise, he's going to be waived in like a week. This is how the books do it. It's like, yeah, they get what they want out of two way guys. Yeah, they're just going to burn you. Like that's the thing. Yeah. He's probably like, great, I'm getting some minutes. I'm you know getting to know the guys. I'm getting used to it. lovely, lovely guy. What a what a man, Jordan. Seriously, his post game is his halftime interviews. Uh, he's so polite. I'm like, yeah, like this guy. And that's everyone will start to feel like that. And then he'll be waved. It's like, oh, there's a new Yeah, do not get too down. attached to two guys. Yeah. Um, like, I even feel like Sandman is playing. You can see they want to keep him as a project because he's not playing as much as he could play. And they, oh, they're managing yeah. that just a little bit more carefully. But Javante Smart, you're there like just a few minutes and i was like oh five games played isn't this great oh you want to make a real impact because if you're if you want to stick somewhere you're gonna to have to catch some eyes um keeping a pc have you watched this yet i think that's what's called the pat Connaughton youtube show no i'm not the, I the books youtube channel yeah sure, no. I, put, I put some details of this in i, I actually put a screenshot in our gspn group chat yesterday uh, might not be an apparent. So first episode is dropped yesterday. It was like a 15 to maybe like 18 minute 
conversation. Dante was the first guest, so it was Pat and Dante. I one, I hope this continues because I think there's some revealing stuff. But there's one question in particular. There hasn't been a web a Bucks web show since Jared and Jared. And, and look, that worked great, right? Yep. That panned out really well. Uh, long running that was. Uh, yep. This one, this one may prove everybody probably left. This may prove similar. Two uh, upcoming free agents sit down for a conversation. There's one question that he was asked. I want to ask you. I want you to give the answer you would give first, and then I'll tell you. Dante's answer because I thought this was a really this to me is the kind of thing that I imagine I imagine in pre-draft interviews you know where they, mm. they're asking these and they ask some basketball questions and you, you often hear like there's some are quick fire and it's just they're trying to get a little insight into it. when this guy's on the court how does he think and what is the what is going to be the thing that kind of leads his decisions one way or another so Pat you know I'm sure Pat put up a lot of rigorous work into these questions. He was looking for the same level of psychological insight. One of the questions was buzzer beater or poster dunk. So you, Jordan Tresky, if you were a professional basketball player in the NBA, I had your choice. Would you prefer a buzzer beater or a poster dunk? Am I doing this or is this? I'm, you're doing it. I'm, I'm, I want you we're going to imagine you're an NBA player just so that this, uh, I don't want you to be able to just bat it away and be like, well, I can't dunk. So you're a professional. Oh, okay. Out of six foot. <laughs> Joking. Um, Big ball is going to be good for you. You were center. Right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, caveat. When it is was, this buzzer? It was really, around? this is the, the question. You can read into that. No, we'll get into that. I want to I wanna dive into that. But this was quick fire. Like, Dante did not ask questions. He immediately went to one. I want to know what you go to. Well, I can already imagine what his answer is. But I would say buzzer beater. I would also say buzzer beater. Because Even if it's head, after the first quarter. Yeah, but in my head, <laughs> the first thing you're going to think with a buzzer beater is yeah. to win the game. There's a much more realistic chance of your winning the game for your team. You are, I think, correct in your assumption that Dante, yeah. in fact, picked the poster dunk. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to hold it against them. Or I just thought that was interesting and revealing, maybe more revealing than he needs to be on a conversation with his teammate on the book's YouTube channel. But I, I do think that's something that tells you something about a guy's mindset. For example, I think if you ask Giannis that, he's going to hear buzzer beater. He's like, oh, that, that could win the team the game. You know, beating a buzzer, that could be to win the game. So I thought that was just an interesting... Let's keep this going. Let's see what kind of answers we get. They both just tear Chris apart throughout. Um, I think that is very much the dynamic that's in the locker room as Chris gives everyone a lot of crap. And in return, everyone <laughs> unites to give Chris just as much, twice as much back. Um, for me, your, your, your expectations... They weren't the loftiest, but um, yeah, let's just hope he's healthy and let's see from there. Like, I don't really expect anything. I don't really expect anything. He could be terrible. He could look a shadow of himself and the players ahead of him are better than they were when he was there before. So he's going to have real pressure to try and get a spot back in the rotation, let alone the starting lineup. And he's going to be coming from a tough place of, you know, not having played in quite a while and having to work his way back up. And, you know, his longest absence as a as a pro, too? Mm. 
Mm. Rookie season, maybe. Prior rookie season. It's not great when you're getting into, oh, actually, he's had a similarly long absence before. We'll see. We'll we'll see what he has to offer. I mean, it's a it's a positive just to have him back because you know what, Jordan? He's a body. Yep. Another body. Those books are <laughs> someone stacking up bodies. That doesn't sound great. Um, but that's what they're doing. You can look at this roster and you're just like, look at all all these bodies. All right. Mailbag time. From at C Keller141. Do you think Dante becomes a starter again when he's back? No. No, no, zero, no. zero chance of him being a starter. Um, maybe like a month or two from now. It's possible. I struggle to see why. Maybe it's possible because like Grayson gets injured. Um, but no, his prim- primary concern is he's going to get some minutes, I think, because they will view him as he was a starter. He should be a rotation piece. But he's going to have to make those minutes count sooner or later, or those minutes could disappear entirely. So Dante's concern is going to be proving he's proving he's good, proving that going back to the thing with Boogie, it's like it, when he's on the floor, the book's winning those minutes. Like, are you helping the books to be a better team or hurting them? That's his first concern. Um, and from there, then guess we see how he plays. Maybe he comes back, he looks great. Maybe he looks better than ever. Then the conversations change, but there's a lot of work and a lot of a lot of positive contributions will have to be put in before we get to a point where it's like, could Dante be a starter? Yeah, you gotta walk before you can run, kind of thing. You know, I have to crawl. like you said, he has not he has not played and <laughs> you have to. Wes could give him some tips. <laughs> he has not played. That is not played a game in six months, more than that. I actually at this point, um, you know, last week he was assigned to the herd, but we know how that works. It's just kind of more practice time, seeing where he can get more five on five time. It's one of those things where if he looks great, he'll get more time. If he doesn't, you kind of, you know, it's not like the last like big serious injury that the Bucks had to like a rotation caliber player welcoming back in was like Jabari. And at that point, the Bucks were not where they are now. They they still had a need for Jabari. They obviously had to think, make things work with Jabari, even at that state. Um, and that point in time, just you know, I think it was right around when Kid got fired, maybe a little bit before that. Um, you know, we're not talking about the depth that the Bucks have right now, uh, clearly. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's just it's it's not to compare to those two because that's not what this question is about. But like, it's we can't expect that. Oh yeah, Dante's back, so he'll get back into being the starter. It's like, well, the Bucks have shown that they have clearly capable contributors. That between Grayson, Pat, obviously, um, and down the line, that can have soldiered on without Dante and it's up to him to really kind of put, put it, the uh, be, Bud's feet to the fire. If he can really 
showcase that he's capable of earning more minutes. I mean, it is also just the way it works. You get a long-term injury, you may never get back, as in that's on your own play, but it's also what the team has to do without you. Jabari is yep. an example of that. Dante may be an example of that. Brooke may be an example of that by the time he's back. Like, we see how Bobby continues to play, maybe how Bobby's game could evolve defensively or how the books can work out new ways to do things. Nothing is impossible. If you're out for a long period of time, new things have to be tried. Players have to kind of settle into new roles and learn new responsibilities. And, you know, sometimes they do it better than expected and it's better for the team and the, the whole kind of uh, equilibrium changes. So you've got like a, a big shift in how things are. And Dante is certainly going to be fighting against that. So we'll see how he plays, but no guarantees of anything really for him, for sure. Yeah. From a Cowboy space, can the book survive the playoffs with their current big rotation? Assume Brooke remains out. No, I, I don't think the Bucks could win a championship with Brooke out. Bobby and DeMarcus Cousins as their front court. I think you disagree based on that very dramatic face you made there. It was slow. I don't want people to think Jordan was making like big expressions. It was a, like a slow look up. It's like a slow pan. Um, I think they could survive. I don't know. I was going to do jokes. some... I don't know. Um, I would say no. If, we, if, if there was a playoff series like the Brooklyn Nets last year, which, you know, could be the Brooklyn Nets this year, they would lose with their current frontcourt situation. Maybe, maybe they, they go ultra small and they completely rethink it and you've got all of these options further down the rotation, but I do think last year, the books winning a championship eventually proved that there are series, and there's a time even just in the playoffs, where it calls for, like, legitimate size, and it calls for a center who can anchor your team, and Brooke did that. Big ball. And they won a championship. And, I mean, if big ball is the craze, Jordan, you know, what happens, Big ball the books, brand. what happens if the Bucks play the Cavs? The Cavs are just, you know, goading them, being like, look at all the bigs we have. Yeah, we got to really get this big ball brand out there. Um, I'll start doing I'll, uh, I don't know if I want to mess with LeVar. I was going to start up T-shirts immediately, big ball brands. You know, I don't know. I think it's more shoes. Um, I think more shoes. I, I personally don't. Um, as things are, I think they need Brooke. Yes, they get they get found out eventually. What that is, what that means, I mean, remains to be seen. Things could break your way. Maybe you don't have to play the Nets. Like, if you don't have to play the Nets, is there a team in the East that the books couldn't be with Bobby? I don't know if there is. There's not a lot of. I, I think I think Brooke is useful if you had to play Embiid. I, I don't think it's essential. There are ways around that, but it certainly doesn't hurt when you've got a center of that profile, that size, to have bodies yeah. <laughs> to throw them. 
Um, maybe Boogie could do some of that. I mean, Boogie would get ejected most games in a series against a bead. I think if him and a bead had to go back and forth over multiple games. That honestly, that is actually I I think the only thing that's really concerning me with Boogie, and you're not gonna get that out of his game. He defouls a lot. Oh yeah, because he's slow. But it's also just it's 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 an instinct. It's his instinct. It's his nature. It's like. He is looking for Shengun, every opportunity for, for contact, and he's he's gonna hit you. You know, he's not. It's not like oh, you know, I just just missed the ball there. I got his arm. It's like no, no. He's I'm, part of that is good. Like it's it's not a bad thing to have in the mix. But when you actually need him to be available to play some minutes, when that's his whole purpose, foul trouble being a constant would be not ideal. So that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. From Cowboy Space again, Javante Smart, interesting role player, or just another typical books flash in the pan two way guy. No, he's he's gone before the All Star break. I want to go to that degree, but why not? Can't because I think Dante coming back, and if they stay healthy, he, they don't need him. If they don't need him, they'll decide we don't need him. Let's cut him and get someone we might need. Like, there, there are honestly, there is no winning with the books and two-way deals. If you're a player and they're offering, it's like they're either going to burn, burn through your days or they're going to not use you at all and then be like, what are we even doing here? Why have we got this guy in a two-way? I mean, part of that could just be like the fatal flaws built into this idea, which in theory seems great. And I just don't think in practice is necessarily working very well for the players um, who find themselves on those contracts. But like, I, it's it's lose lose. If he's playing all the time, he's got to run out of game, run out of days, and they're going to cut him. If he's not playing at all, they're going to be like, what's the point? We're going to cut him. Like, Justin Robinson went through that in a really short period of time. They needed him, he was playing. Then they don't need him, and they're like, we don't need him now. What's the point of him? Yep. All-Star break is like, it's, I think it's still nearly three months away. Well, if they he, also have that guarantee date, too. That'll be the test. I mean, the thing with also with like the boogie and the West Matthews guarantees is. No, no, not just about that. Two no, I, I'm just, yeah. you've, you've reminded me. How much do those guarantees really matter? Like, if that day comes and they're like, boogie's still our best option, we keep them with guarantees. And then the bio comes and a better, much better option comes along. The cost. With tax is it's not nothing, but it's not so significant that they're going to be like no, because Boogie's guaranteed. Like with both those guys, it's irrelevant. It's not like oh, if it goes past this, he's guaranteed for two seasons. It's like you're talking about minimum deals guaranteed to the rest of the season. Like it's entirely possible a whole bunch of guys could be Shemi OJ, could be Rodney Hood. You know, depending how the year goes on, that the books could just cut someone who's on a guaranteed deal to make a, a roster spot open. Like. I think that's entirely plausible. So uh, the idea of countdown to the guarantee dates, I think, I don't know how involved I'll be getting in that because it just wouldn't surprise me at all if like they guarantee him and then two two weeks later, they could be like, oh, well, 
now there's a reason to waive him. Yes. Like it's it's in the realm of it's gonna cost them. It's gonna cost them in the way that actually signing them I mean, in the first place costs. Christian Wood is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's we will look at that day and be like, oh, they're gonna be here for the, the rest of the season. It's like no. Dad Young becomes available or something like that. Like this uh, you know prime buyout guy candidate that they will certainly be in the mix for. If they feel like he's going to be a better fit for what they have, then they'll do it. And if it works out, it works out. Like it's, I think what is becoming very clear, whether it's two way guys or, you know, Ross Sprott's 12 through 15 or even more. So they are interchangeable. Do not get attached. Exactly. John Harson not... and other names. <laughs> They're all just numbers too. Yep. Quite He's literally, gonna... they're numbers. Oh, it's like that's how that portion of the roster goes. From an MK Robert, Brooks' absence is significant. Which potential playoff matchups make you the most nervous if Brooks isn't in the fold? The Nets. Considering they couldn't play Bobby against them last year, it would definitely be a problem if they couldn't play Bobby this year. Yeah, that seems like a problem. That seems like an issue. Um, the Sixers, I think, as I noted earlier, just because you've got Embiid, he's the most dominant center you're going to come up against in the East. I think they get by otherwise. I mean, Heat might give them a little trouble because of. Do you not actually think they'd be better equipped for the Heat? Um, in some ways, yes, in some ways, no. I think it's I, more of like, sorry, go in on. Ter- in terms of the biggest thing that we noted during the period of time where Brick was out, but we didn't know to the length that, that he would be out, and then now was just a matter of they're small, they can't, you know, they're getting beat up on the glass. Um, and just those second chance possessions. Not that you're going to bank on that all the time because a team like the Heat or any other team, really, um, if they're a viable playoff contender, they're going to be capable shooters. They're going to have plenty of, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, the Heat's way of like, you know, they have how they play and all that. If they have Lowry, Robinson, um, forgetting who else, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler. Like they have the shooters and all that stuff, but I think they also that's a team that will look to the glass as an advantage if they can get past the Bucks size, which we saw that they can. I don't know if the Bucks necessarily lose the glass against the Heat in the series without Brooke. That is not, it's not the Heat's forte. They're gonna find rebounds with the kind of guys they have, they'll find rebounds. But I still wouldn't be worried about that. I mean, the thing that I think on that is, I think the books might match up, like match like for like better with the Heat without Brooke. And that's always been a question like this. That's where mine goes to. But that actually shouldn't be the goal because part of the thing is Brooke gave the books an advantage against a team like the Heat because like he can just, you know, 
put Bam Adebayo in the basket. You know, it's like there's a real difference in size and strength. So the thing that I think is easy to do, it's like match up and examine how they go like for like. Brooke gave the books advantages. It's like they weren't like for like, but what the books had that the other team didn't was a guy like Brooke. And on both ends of the floor, we've seen that play out positively. I, I mean, I, I think they could beat the Heat without Brooke. It, for me, the, I think they would beat the Sixers, but that is a different series, a challenging series, and you're opening up a level of uncertainty and risk that just shouldn't be there against the Sixers otherwise, but it would be there because if Embiid has like the best 10 days of his career, you're going to have a tough time answering that. Um, the Nets is obvious. It's just the Nets is not really about that spot. It's just about you know, is the string now there that if they pull on it and pull on it, the whole thing comes loose where it wasn't there before? Does not having Brooke make that a, a possibility against the Nets? And yeah, I think it probably is. Um, we'd have to see if anything's changed there. I mean, I think the books have more firepower and that could certainly help them because the struggle last year was really scoring. Like that series ended up as a rock fight at times. But also that might be part of why the books won it. It's, you know, they might have won it because they were able to live with it being as ugly as it was, just a little bit better than the Nets in the end. From an MK Robert, does Cousins make his guarantee day? I think we've touched on that. I personally would say yes, he should for the reasons of his play, which is fine. But also, what does the guarantee day really matter? Yeah. Uh, from an MK Robert again, what's Dante's role once he's back up to speed? We've touched on that. Dante's role is prove that you're healthy, then prove that you're good. <laughs> and if you do that, you'll have a regular spot as a sixth, seventh, eight man off the bench. And then if you can prove that you're really good, maybe some other conversations can be opened up about is there a, a bigger role for him in this sort of starting spot. But it, that is very difficult to imagine. Yeah. The defensive upside between him and Grayson is not that significant at all much less so than I think we may have even assumed coming into the season and for Dante to all of a sudden be like out shooting Grayson to be offering more offensively just seems basically impossible to imagine he's got those poster dunks so <clears throat> from out Wesley Bill I assume they re-sign both but who's more important long term Pat or Bobby love both but you have to pick one for the next three plus years I wouldn't assume they re-sign both because that's not easy to do and would get very expensive. And if there's one thing I've learned from looking at how this team does business in recent years, it's that yeah. they, they will <laughs> very much decide against re-signing both. Uh, yeah, let's not, let's not make assumptions. Um, this is, this is something that is coming down. I've already thought about it. Like this is, this is our big summer thing that's coming down the pipeline. That's gonna, it's gonna happen big. every year. Yeah. And how? What? I mean, what are they gonna do to shed more future money? They're gonna have to get rid of players that we get attached to as well. Like it's, and that's made co- more complicated by Brooks' injury and surgery because the need you would immediately go, oh yeah, Bobby, because one. Brooke is an aging center, as crazy as 
coming off of back surgery. Do not know. I mean, it's always optimistic. Oh, surgery went well. All that great stuff. Like it, it's a back. It's, it's, he's 33 going on 34 years old. Like this could be it. This could be it for Brooke. I would, I don't want that to happen to make that very clear. I don't want that to happen. I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go that far. I get your point. I get your point. I don't think this would be it for Brooke, but I, this could very plausibly be it for the version of Brooke that we have known in the past few years. Oh, that's what I'm meaning. He could look, he could look more like DeMarcus Cousins than Brooke Lopez. It's more, yes, you're more open to something like that than NBA champion Brooke Lopez, you know battling off Kevin Durant's shot at during game seven of with a minute left in overtime. Like it's the, the, there are so many more possibilities that have opened up since his surgery has been made known. The Bucks made it known that he had surgery. And so anyway, so from that point of view, the need for Bobby is certainly increased. Um, and he's taken to the opportunity of being the Bucks starting center very well. Pat Connaughton has improved year after year since coming to Milwaukee. He's going to be paid a lot of money. It's going to be ridiculous. He's not going to he's going to turn down whatever his option is. I think it's like 5.6 something within that range. Some decimal. He's not going to play another year on that contract. He's There's getting like no at this point, unless like things just fall apart back after the season, he is probably and two, four years, 50 million minimum. To his credit, I think I maybe I'm I don't think this is an original thought. So if I'm copying what someone has said about Pat, uh forgive me. I apologize. But Pat, how Pat someone's apologizing <laughs> how Pat used to talk about himself especially in his early days, was about, you know, being the second-round pick, being two-sport athlete, all this stuff. He's pretty good at basketball. He's great. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, really he's, he's really good at basketball. And he's not talking about himself as as this underdog, even though he still is. No, he's got a show he, now. He's got a show. He's keeping a PC. Um, he's got Peter Fagan on his desk. Peter Fagan giving him shows. Cluckery, just a call away. Um, are you gonna do ads in like a chicken suit soon? Might as well earn that, earn earn that money. Change his but, name. This is all in vogue now. He could be Pat Cookington. Could be. It could maybe, be. Maybe this is a way they could make up some money off the books. I don't know. I don't know. But he's talked about himself in that sense of this little, uh, not this little guy, but you know what I mean. This. Little kid from wherever he's from made it big. He's yeah, he's in the NBA, all that stuff. Now it's like, oh, I'm Pat Connaughton. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm an NBA champion. It's nine day, just how something like that, that monumental achievement does to your, not only to your game, because as we're seeing right now, but to your profile around the league. (laughs) And your bank account, he's he's going to be paid a lot of money. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be a lot of money. The one difference, though, from decisions that books have to make where they can just opt out of this and be like, oh, no, we're not spending all that money. Uh, can they afford to not 
keep Pat, for example, if like we assume Dante is gone, and then you've just got no, you've, your wing depth is just non-existent. You've got to find purely with scrap heaps. I don't know. Like that's a really tough one. Bobby is the answer is right now just because of the situation with Pat. I mean, part of me. You mean Brooke? Or sorry, with Brooke. Um, yeah. Part of me pre- prefers Pat in terms of the ideal roster construction of the books, but you don't have another option. The books cannot lose Bobby Portis right now. Um, so I'm, can't I'm on. They can't lose Boogie Cousins right now. Like things are front court is. I want to go that tough. far. In the front court, just day to day. I don't mean long term. Um, I think Pat is more of the answer for what the books ideally want than what Bobby may necessarily be. But Bobby is invaluable right now. You've got the thing with Pat is Pat is your if Pat goes, you're like, we've got no depth, we've got no backups, we've got no plan B. If Bobby goes, you could find yourself in a spot where you're like, we've got no plan A. Like Brooke, yeah. Brooke could really fall off or really struggle to get back to health, and then Bobby's gone, and it's like it was already the weakest area of the Bucks roster, and it could get weaker. But then you've also got this area of strength that's gonna, you know, this is the reason why I don't blame Bill for starting to question, but I assume they resign both because logically, it's like <laughs> they can't really let either of these guys go. You know, just doesn't make sense in terms of the roster. Um, but yeah, I, I I think they'd probably have to pick Bobby, and they may well do just that because they don't like paying all that tax. And then eight months from now, we're gonna hear of a Alex Caruso type low ball that the Bucks offer to some player that they need to keep their depth with this is just, this is what happens with uh, I, I don't know if there's going to be that player though who is that guy they already have with pj yeah but who would that guy be this year pat oh okay you mean i thought you meant outside of those two guys no no, no. i i think it's i don't think there's to... anyone outside of that that matters but like the the no. interesting thing too with that dynamic is and it's like let's say brooke comes back plays well they win a championship Like, then you're not going to just cast Brooke aside this summer. Like, if Brooke comes back, it looks like last year's Brooke. No, I, I, if they would say if they won another championship with Brooke being the key guy, you think they're then just like, oh, I thought you're saying if they won a championship without Brooke. No, no, if he comes back. So, this is these are two scenarios. I don't think that's out of the question. He's an expiring $30 million on a $30 million contract next year. Yeah, but if you won a championship and he came back and played well, you would have won back-to-back championships with him as your center. It's pretty good trade value, too. Yeah, but you'd be like, we might win three in a row if we bring him back next year. I mean, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't make it impossible that different things are entertained. I'm just, just trying to... I don't want to get into the specifics on that because this is a yeah. very, like... The books will get a championship. And Brooke coming back and healthy. Like, there's a lot of, like, hypotheticals. Yeah. Very, very around, but okay. So that's one scenario where that happens. If that happens, like, how do they approach Pat and Bobby in that situation? Because I don't think they've just cast Brooke aside and they're like, "Oh yeah, great, we've won." I don't think they've cast. I don't think they've cast. See, this is this is where they pay everyone in this situation like that. They're like, "Oh, it actually is worth the tax." If we're, we've won two championships and we could win another. History shows, though, as you said, 
It doesn't yeah. happen. The team's always they. Okay, and then the opposite scenario is like something close to the track we're on, where it's like okay, Brooke doesn't come back, or it's like you're then moving Brooke. It's gonna get messy. It's just it's a mess. Regardless, is my point. There is no, yeah. there is no easy way out of that. And the Grayson deal was fantastic, and it's paying off for them now. But it does complicate the situation further. You know what I could see happening? I could see George Hill getting traded. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've said that from the moment that happened. He's going to get traded again. There's That's no way tra- that, that contract doesn't get traded. No, it's another size. It's not a lot of money, but it's a sizable figure that would be like, oh, we if we need to offload money. It's their easiest deal to like offload and be like, oh, he's good, but. We managed well last time, didn't we? He's he's getting on a bit. Some team will take it. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, George Hill, yeah, that, that works." Like that's that's a guarantee for that was saving money. That was the biggest problem that the Bucks ran into. Um, after the bubble, is that they have all these guys that they had. Well, it wasn't the year before. They, they had to pay everybody, so that created the first tax, you know, cut, so to speak, with Brogdon. But it was also a matter of keeping their depth after the bubble, you know, went horribly for them. West leaves. They had to pay Pat because he's a free agent. Um, had to remake their whole bench, you know, half of which they offloaded a couple months later. It was a matter of they didn't have guys on longer than one year deals. It's because you don't draft anyone ever. This is this is the cycle that they set. So then to been. offset that, they had to pay guys like Grayson, they have to pay, you know, add years on it to create expiring contracts the next year to offload them if they go into this crunch of having to pay other guys that are proven that they, they have to. They need, they need to trade Dante. They need to trade Dante. This, this gets back to where I thought that would actually happen before the season. Um, but, you know, maybe it's even more likely if he comes back like, if there'd be people like, what? Why do they need to? Why is he saying this again? It's just you look at the, the book's roster, you look at pieces that could be, you know, expendable. Um, and you look at a guy who's not, yeah, he's not going to be here next season. No, but like, they would take so much because, like, for that to get himself into the mix with Pat and Bobby, he'd have to have an incredible rest of the season. And he'd already be like a season behind on those guys, too. Like, Pat and Bobby, as things stand, they're tracking for coming into free agency off two fantastic years for the books that are like history making for the franchise. And the books need to find a way to just get some assets, <laughs> get some assets so you can make some of these future deals or so that you could maybe, dare I say, draft a guy. Maybe even if it's at the 60th pick, if you're going to draft them, don't draft someone that you're going to cut at a cost to yourself if you months later what is that what was the logic in that why not flip it for like second round pick this year as opposed to that that is insane like find the team that you think oh yeah they'll probably be around number 60 like let's just let's just swap picks you want to know they won't be pick there won't be pick 60 next year either though look i things are going to get very messy Always, yeah. It was just one question. I just like opened all these Russian nesting dolls of mess there. Um, from at Jake J. Meyer, is it time to give up on 
move past war? Is it possible to give up on something that maybe they were never in on in the first place? That's probably the best way to frame it. I mean, it sucks. I mean, for him, he comes into a team that, I mean, it's hard enough for any rookie, much less a second round pick, to come into a champion or team set that set their uh, sights on winning a championship and have that come to fruition and not, I mean, what do you play, like 250 minutes last year? A lot of that was, you know, during maintenance days for their star players. You know, it's just a hard, it's a tough build to to live up to. Um, Especially to, as we talked about, the fact that the Bucks, their draft success since Giannis, Dante's been their best draft pick by a large margin. Um, And even then... That is has, painful. Like it is. It's very just painful. how much time Dante has missed. And it's painful. Uh, I mean, again, to bring up Jabari, he had massive expectations, and a lot of things went wayward be, outside of his control. So, I think, given that history and just like our state of mind towards any Bucks draft pick, and look at Sandman too, we get so enamored with these guys. We want them to work out. We want to see that this, you know, so draft pick homegrown talent make big and stay on the books. The need for that grows every year. Like, that, I don't think that's just the thing that books fans have or any fan base have. I think that is something that is exacerbated by the book situation where every year when they draft someone, we are more and more desperate for like, Please be this. This be a guy they could keep for but four years on funny, a cheap deal, because like otherwise, how do they construct a good roster? Like, I, I it's it's. But so, they're doing it right now, though. Yeah, but they are right at the like. There is a tipping point with this. This is yeah, not. There's gonna be a. You cannot of... repeat this forever. Like this is not how roster building should be done. No. That is so simply put. There are. I know you've pointed out recently. There's a lot of hilarious stuff about you know people should follow the books model. Nobody should follow anything the books have done in the last six years. Like the fact that any of this worked out, go back further, like from Giannis being drafted to all of the decisions they made along the way. It is one colossal mess that eventually, because of Giannis, started to look a little bit promising. And then you can you can get better things around that. You can get better things around that. And they've put themselves in some terrible spots and somehow they found ways out. And they have consistently drafted like as bad as you can draft like they've done so so bad with drafting and when they haven't they've you know it's like a brogdon situation well that guy's gone to play somewhere else because you know it this is this is unsustainable you know john horse is pushing these debts down the road down the road down the road and yeah. very soon someone's going to come knocking us at the door and be like it's time to pay up <laughs> like that is the situation they're in and i i I think certainly it's something we haven't talked about as much in the last while because, hey, they won a championship and that's why you do this to begin with. But the roots for this to be sustainable long-term, they're zero. If you're not drafting guys who can play on your team, if you don't have picks to draft guys and you're not finding players like on the scrap heap who all of a sudden can be rotation players. You know, if Javante Smart 
the best thing for the books would be if someone like Javante Smart was actually really good and they're like, oh, uh, three-year deal, minimum. Here you go. It's guaranteed. Sign it. And he can be there for years. Like, they don't do stuff like that. They haven't found the players necessarily to do stuff like that. Like, Christian Wood is a standout example of if they just being bolder with that and it didn't fit at the time. And I know I was certainly someone who made fun of the level of love that Bookson's had for that time, desperation for that to be a thing where it's like, what's he going to do? Where is he going to play? But the reality is if they had him and they trade him on a cheap contract, you got some good stuff, you know? Yeah. And they, they just have failed repeatedly to work out other ways to build your roster. And it's great. You can attract the caliber of players you can for minimum contracts of free agency because you're the champs and you know, this is the best player in the league. Someone's coming to collect those debts though. Like, yep. You, you can't avoid that. So this is kind of grim. This is a question about Jordan Wara. Um, I mean, the thing with Wara is, is it time to give up on him, move past him? If they did the opposite and all of a sudden he was really good, well, then he's a free agent in the summer. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? They can't do anything with any of these guys. It's so... Everything is, like, full on on the seat of their pants. Like, the, the way that the roster construction has... I tip my hat. I'm not taking away from John Horse for what he's actually managed to put together here. But it's a good job he got the championship because otherwise his legacy, the way it was shaping up, like there's a lot of potential for it there to be something that with distance people are like, what What the hell is this? What was this guy doing? What was he thinking? He'll always have a championship to point to. So that is not going to be the case. But moves in isolation and moves collectively they, they are not doing everything they can to create longevity, to create this long-term successful team, which is most amazing because there's this obsession with the Spurs within the organization. There's yeah. this obsession with the Spurs. And when it comes to team building, the books might as well have looked at how the Spurs built their teams and been like, isn't that great? Isn't that the model? Well, let's do the exact opposite. You know, because that is that is in large part how this has played out. From a Claude Motley, can we get an injury exception for Shami to use in the buyout market? No. No. The NBA have a hardship exception. Can't off the top of my head think of how many players you need to be down. But if the books are at a point where you're getting a hardship exception, exemption, exception. I actually don't know which one. For some reason, I feel like that was exception. I think it's exception. Generally, exceptions, but I feel like that's an exempt. Anyway, um, you'd have bigger problems than worrying about Chemi because you you have like seven players. Like the Bulls are in a situation at the moment where that's the kind of thing, and it's a short-term move. You know, then once you've got enough players, you move past that. So no, that is not. That's not how. Um, it's not how that works in the NBA. And also, I mean, Shemi is not out for very long in a relative sense. Like, Honestly, yeah, he might even be Brooke back as soon as this week. Really? Was it like two to three weeks? Oh, and you're taking that as he elects you. That's back. what am I doing? Why I walked in that one. Fucking timelines. <laughs> From at Hinduist1190842, is it time to give up on move past cousins? No. <laughs> What are you moving past them for? What's the solution? What are you giving up? They're winning with the guy. Like, this is... Not every player has to be 
I, this is I, I do I mentioned earlier. I think we're a little bit spoiled because Bobby's as good as he is and Pat's as good as he is that we're having the conversation we're just having, where it's like you need all these guys to be like really good in a vacuum. You don't. You need the whole team to be good and for it to work together. And it's happening right now. So Boogie's doing what they need him to do. The numbers are good. The team are playing well when he's on the floor. Like, we'll see how that evolves, how that tracks when he's played, say, six more games and six more games. Like, you continue to, when we double and triple that sample size, but if that holds up, like, you just keep Boogie and you're happy that it's working. From at GMGT, Com 1052 let's compare Ray Allen versus Chris Middleton. Who is better? Ray Allen. Ray Allen is definitely better. Yeah. Who's a better book or who's more important to the books? That's a different question. a better books career? That's Chris Middleton. Um, but who was like a better player? Did Ray Allen make the NBA 75? Pretty sure he did, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, Chris Middleton does not make it like NBA 100. That's... The books can win think... like five more championships in a row and Chris will have like two all-star appearances. And no all NBA, he's not making that. So there's just there's not a comparison in terms of players, but in terms of books, yeah, Chris is the better book. You know, this is by a it's by a by a wide margin. Yeah, yeah. This is and people view this and discuss this in different ways, so it gets complicated. I mean, I always anytime we've done exercises this when we're writing it behind Oak Pass, I would always but Sidney Moncrief, like right there with Kareem, if not better, because of his longevity and how consistently good his teams were, he didn't get a championship. So if you saw other people, you're like, what? No way. You know, he shouldn't be there. But I, if you're going to measure as a book, I think Chris is better. Ray Allen is clearly, clearly the better player. From Milltown Monster, what's impacted the book's recent success more? Health or Portis increased produ- productivity as a rebounder and defender? Feels like Cousins won't last very long in Milwaukee. Would you be comfortable with Sandro as a backup center for the remainder of the season? No. Absolutely not. No. And it's... You, you, one, you can't do that. He's a two-way. You then find yourself in a spot where you're going to wave him. Um, like, if they want to... If Boogie doesn't work and they decide, yeah, that they could convert Sandro to that roster spot. But they're not going to do that because, one, he's not a center. He's an incredibly weird player. He's too small, not strong enough. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not yeah, disparaging no, yeah, I'm saying yeah, that. Yeah. I'm all for his weirdness. Um, he's probably not an NBA player. Like, probably never going to be an NBA player. Does some fun stuff. We'll enjoy watching him when we get a chance, but we'll be surprised if that's a long-term thing, which we should just assume anyway, because he was drafted by the books. Like, what are we expecting? him To play for them for years? Don't be silly. Um I, I don't see why everyone is being like Boogie's Boogie's gonna go soon. I, I just don't. There's nothing in terms of how the books are playing, what the numbers are like with him there, what the alternative options are, where the books injury situation is, which is it's not gonna clear up at center anytime soon. Brooke is not gonna miraculously reappear healthy in like six weeks and be like, oh, don't need Boogie anymore. Brooks back. Like all signs point to Boogie Cousins making a true two kind of trade deadline buyout. Uh, barring something 
very serious habit. Oh, if he gets injured, he's gone. Yeah. If Bobby gets injured, then the whole thing would be reframed because you need a different kind of center and then you're in big trouble and you're looking to make deals and George Hill's probably getting traded. <laughs> That's what would happen in that scenario. But um, what's the impact of the book series? Success more health or Portis increased productivity as a rebounder and defender? That helps, but I, I the latter helps. I would be careful not to solely give Bobby credit for that because I think it goes back to what we talked at the start, which is I just think Giannis has improved his understanding it's... of how to play that role. And it's not like a shock when we're going to say that Giannis is everything with this team. And particularly when it's in a front court spot, it's like that's always going to be just as much about him as it is anyone else. And the way him and Brooke work together is part of why Brooke is as important as he is. And if he can develop similar understanding for maybe how to cover Bobby, maybe it gets to a point where it can be similar. I think he has more work to do, particularly defensively, which is where it matters most in this pairing to get to where he was at with Brooke. Like that goes without saying, maybe that's not possible. Um, but Bobby deserves ton of credit for his rebounding more than anything. Defense, let's not forget the schedule the books have had lately and we'll have for another while. We'll we'll continue to observe how that plays out as the season goes on. But his rebounding is better, but part of that is gonna be okay, what are the books doing around them? Um, what is Giannis doing? You know, when a guy is grabbing rebounds, there's always a guy beside them boxing out. Like that is the Brook Lopez story. So I think Bookstand should know that. So Bobby's improved rebounding, I don't think could be separated from the work Giannis is doing around there on the boards too. Um, and also Giannis is no problem in mopping up boards himself. So Bobby is also doing his part um, in more of a Brook Lopez way than he wasn't doing before. That partnership is just better. So I would, I would give Bobby a lot of credit for that. I'd also give Giannis some credit for that too. The, the recent success is it's health, it's new guys, having had how many games are we now total 28 games so guys settling in they now know the system they know their teammates like there is a genuine feel that it is all working kind of you know it's it's all come together it's much more natural and again like they've played a really soft schedule lately and that helps because they had such a tough run with games with injuries with covid with everything to start the season that they were trying to figure everything out on top of all of that and it was pretty dicey and what they needed was a nice easy run where they could build up confidence build up familiarity get some momentum and that's all kind of clicked into place that's my view on it yeah health number one reason 12 again to start how we started this podcast at 12 and 2 since chris got back from having covid um playing bad teams helps a lot but when you're as good as the Bucks are, there's not a lot of teams that are on equal footing or even better than them. So every, you know, their soft schedule is like almost implied um, in that sense, but you have to beat up on those teams to, we saw this first couple of years of Bud, they beat up on a lot of bad teams and yes, to the they did inflate their win total and their perception that they're title contenders. Yes. But they eventually lived up to it. They learned a lot of lessons the hard way. And this is where we are right now in post-championship. You know, there's a, a renewed 
not renewed, but a level of confidence that just didn't exist to this degree around not just their core players, but to, you know, players that arrived over the course of this bud era that have certainly thrived. So, yeah, I think it's a lot of reasons, but for this stretch right now, it's, yeah, having everybody healthy and getting through a messy injury COVID plagued start um, certainly helps to where they are right now. It's in the regular season. It might be the quickest way to separate the good teams from the bad teams is who can just take care of business and beat the teams they're supposed to. Exactly. Because yep. that's, that's where you just learn something about what a team is like, like the books are, and that's driven by Giannis at the, the center is the, the beating heart of the team. It's like Giannis comes to play every night. Books come to play every night. And if you're good, you're going to beat the teams you should be. So the soft schedule is, you know, other teams, they'll drop more games than the books do. And that's a testament to them. And that does factor into the kind of team they are in terms of approach and attitude and then why it can work out the postseason too. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think things are, things are good. Things are looking very much up for the books this season, this regular season. We'll see how things get as we get close to the playoffs, how the Brooks situation evolves. Um, I feel like the last half an hour of the pod here has been unbelievably grim. Don't blame us. Blame, you know, some bad decisions made along the way. Um, the tough cap situation the books are in. But that is, that is, I think, what their medium-term future certainly looks like. But in terms of where the books are at right now, what the rest of the season has in store, I lots of reason to feel very, very good about this team. Um, the Brook injury has just given us one massive question mark, one big variable that may well prove to make or break. And we are a few Stay in the moment. months away from getting a feeling. Be well, present. Mm, Be present. No, I don't know. I feel like that will get people <laughs> more angry about like third quarters against the Rockets. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Stay like I thought this isn't good life advice, but for the books, you know, one foot like back in, I don't know, let's say maybe June, July, how you felt around that time. And mm-hmm. one foot maybe in, you know, next June or July, how you might feel then. I think that's the way to approach it rather than worrying about the day to day, the night to night, the game to game, grueling nature of the NBA. It'll, it's all shaping up well. It's all working out pretty nicely so far. All right. That does it for us for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the GSPN Substack. That's gspn.substack.com. You can find our podcast wherever you get your pods. Um, we're pretty much everywhere. You know, I think you could go and you can find us basically anywhere. If there is somewhere, always let us know. Um, I'm not aware of there being somewhere. So it'd be great. If you want to list us somewhere and you can't find it, get in touch. Also, I mean, since we last recorded, we set up uh, a new Twitter account, a hub for everything GSPN. That's all of our stuff, all of the Eurostep. And that is at GSPN Hub. If you haven't already followed, go and hit follow. You'll get all of your GSPN stuff right through there too. Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.